millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Bretton Cliff's Flea Circus. My name is Cliff. Hello, and I'm uh, Minister Refuses to Apologise. Okay, uh, you're not alone there. Quite a few of you. Nope. (laughs) I'm always on the telly, mate. Yeah. What are you not apologising for this time? Anything. COVID, um, dogs, deaths, happiness, anything. You could have have avoided like a thousand deaths or more. Well, I refuse to (laughs) apologise. So there you go. Fair enough. What are you going to do about it? Um, I'm Teflon. Before we me, get man. before we get going properly, just wanted to say this will probably have to be fairly quick for two reasons. One, I cannot sit in this position for very long, and two, <laughs> I forgot to charge the laptop up. So <laughs> it's mm. a race against the clock. <laughs> it is indeed. How how long do you estimate we'll have? I'd say fifty minutes. That's enough, 15. 15. 15. Oh, 50. Yeah, that's that enough. should be all right. Also, I think the song that we're going to play is like seven minutes long. So, mm. I mean, that, that, that'll take up some of the time. It'll, it'll ramp it up. <laughs> that'll save us some talking. Um, it will indeed. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I am outside. It's daytime because I'm off work convalescent. Uh-huh. Is that the right word? If you want. I, I would say recovering. Recovering. Recuperating. Mm. Recuperating, yeah, that's a good one. Um, So what are you recuperating from, Mr. Cliff? Well, this time last week when we did the podcast, I was about to go in for um, hernia surgery. And I'll warn you now, I might make some choice faces at you while we're doing this. And also, (laughs) um, I might let out a few groans because it's still very painful. Um, Yeah, I was spent the night in hospital after it was done. Tell you what, Brett, mm-hmm. before I had this done, all I had was a little weird pain every now and then. Now <laughs> I'm in absolute agony and I have been for about five days. So I'm not really <laughs> sure if I made the right choice. Um, yeah, well, that's it. I feel well, your pain. I, I couldn't piss for weeks after doing having my one that I told you about. So uh-huh. The wobbly kidneys, that one. All right. So you so must have happened? had the tube for that, right? Up the, up the old Mr. Kinnish. It was a camera inserted in yeah, to so the eye something of the penis. Was in there. Yeah, uh, so something was. I, just, I didn't look. Uh, so similarly, my you know you know Tobias Jug down there. He uh, he <laughs> had something inserted into him, and mm-hmm. they didn't warn us when I went for Jimmy Riddle the next day. Yeah, how how much it would sting? Yeah, I was not prepared for it whatsoever. The woman, no, out, the sting. nurse outside the door was like, "Are you all right in there?" I'm like, "No, uh-huh. what the fuck's no, going on?" This. <laughs> it's awful like, like, oh, yeah, I think that's that was... just because you had a, a tube in there I was like okay well no but I didn't know that for a start yeah. and also <laughs> what, just tell warners about that because I've, I started panicking like fuck because uh-huh. it was absolutely <laughs> killing I wasn't warned about that either I, I mean said, it was a very quick process when I did it and there was a fella who had just had it before me and he had tears in his eyes Whoa, coming out yeah. awful awful stuff so they said you, uh, you won't be able to ejaculate the semen very far anymore okay well I mean I haven't tried yet because everything around that process seems quite delicate right now so, <laughs> I wouldn't um, go for it yet I won't enter any competitions yet um, no 
they might be able to make like a, a film about us, like uh, you know, like Kingpin or something, where I get slowly get back to my best like an underdog <laughs> story. Um, might be I'll able join to like that, a yeah. national, I'll start doing like local uh, local, <laughs> local uh, tournaments. contests and then make it up uh-huh. to the nationals or something. Um, you're doomed man yeah so this is also the most i've talked for ages because i've just been at home alone uh watching telly and stuff uh which you know is my favorite pastime so that's been quite it good is? um well that's good but yeah so i've got three holes in my stomach where they cut in got a camera in and then the other two holes were where they sent the little robots in to do the work um the I, nanobites yeah i'm not and yeah so it, it is better than it was then. Like I genuinely thought this I was never gonna feel better. Um, but obviously I do a bit. But yeah, it's painful. I'll go back to the doctors in two days from now just so they can tell us how it's going. Um but yeah, it's it's weird because I can't sit down properly and I can't mm-hmm. lie down and I can't get up and but plus I can't walk. you're in the house by yourself. Presumably you can't masturbate. Which well, would I mean, be, a, you know, the you know perfect I mean? thing to do when everybody's out. It's like Chinese water torture. Are you allowed to say that? <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, it's like waterboard. So what about you? You've been at work getting uh, on your rounds. I uh, have. Yeah, I've been at work. It's, um, I'm enjoying work, like apart from apart from one thing, and, uh-huh. uh, and, and that's the dogs. Okay. For some reason, dogs just hate us. They, they really do hate they us. Hate Even all own. postman, is it a myth well, or is it true? I think it's true. It's definitely true. Even my own dog is looking at us with suspicion. Oh, really? Do you have to get changed in the in. car before you get it? <laughs> no, not quite that. So what I've decided to do to get myself into the mind of the dogs and to try and understand why, you know, the dogs don't like us, I, I decided to do a bit of research on it. And I thought that the perfect place was Pets for Homes website. Okay. So I did a little bit of research, and that's what it says, or this is what it says on on the Pets for Homes uh, website. Many dogs are perfectly fine with the approach of the postman. However, it is not uncommon for the postman to inadvertently become your dog's perceived arch nemesis. (laughs) Okay, so they're going to make a film about it? (laughs) (laughs) They could make a film about it. Could do. So that's not a very good start, is it? No, you're not, I mean, without even trying, you're the arch nemesis of arch ne- who knows how many dogs. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's the first bit. The postman may not call every day, but they certainly return often enough for the dog's mind to view this as added insult to injury. <laughs> Honestly, I can't. <laughs> I'm laughing really hurts. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Don't blame me. But what's the blame. injury? Pets for homes. That's what I say. The injury is that you keep turning up and they keep being aggressive to get you away from the door or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And then you've gone and I think the dog's thinking, I've done my job here. And then the next day you return with a big happy smile on your face. <laughs> All right, okay. So um, there's that insult to injury there. Presumably it's evened out with the number of housewives coming to the door in lingerie and negligence what, yeah what about the avon lady better don't bark at her or uh, try and attack her but there you go but did they women with lingeries knock on your door do they or do they just nick you no food? i mean you know one door there's an angry dog the next door there's a bored housewife <laughs> swings and roundabouts mm-hmm. dogs are animals that thrive on routine and even begin to predict the presence of the pro postman. <laughs> so we've got dogs oh, that can on. predict now. If they thrive on routine, they should start yes. enjoying it. Exactly. That, that is not happening. That is okay. not happening, Cliff. And it, it happily finishes off with an average of over 2,000 postal workers are bitten by dogs every year. So we've got that. To look forward to. Okay, That's amazing. Really nice, isn't it? How, have yeah. you come up with any of your schemes to win them over yet? I haven't, no, but I have uh, a couple of people have uh, told us that some of them, some of the uh, the postmen and women, have dog treats in their pocket just in case. Oh, I think that's a good plan. Do you think it's a good plan? I don't think I can bring myself to do anything like that. I, I'm just the type of person that would run away. Yeah, and it doesn't help, does it, the amount of times I've run away from dogs and just been chased as a result. 
that it doesn't help our dog. Have a good history. By dogs uh, in the past. My history with dogs is a little bit like yours with bikes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah calamitous. Calamitous, yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, I've watched a lot of telly, like I said. Shall I run you through mm-hmm. some of the things that I've watched? Yeah, do what it. You think. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a documentary about Rick James, the funk musician, called Bitchin', <laughs> The Sound and Fury of Rick James. Is it not called Me Massive Red Women's High Heels? Because <laughs> that's what it should be called. Um, it's really good. It's produced by his daughter. So, um, you know, it goes into some of the bad stuff that he's done and his drug problems and obviously he died as a result of uh, that kind of stuff. So it doesn't shy away from that. But all of the things that he went to court for, uh-huh. which were torturing women, imprisoning yeah. women, beating right. women and stuff like that, they'd just all be like, yeah, but obviously he didn't really do that, did he? Because he's a nice guy. <laughs> like whatever right. he would do. So I would say it's very one-sided on that front, even though it covers yeah. it. But all of the people uh-huh. talking are like, yeah, but you know, he had his problems, but he wouldn't do that stuff. Um, Does it so, go into the, his infatuation with the exorcist child Linda Blay? No, no. Do you not know about that? No, no, it doesn't mention anything about that. Uh huh. I'm sure. I'm sure after the, the exorcist. Well, I'm sure. Maybe she was a bit older, but well, she would have been. Otherwise, there would have been arrests. That's all I can say. <laughs> but I, I think she going. went out with the Rick James for a while. Didn't okay. She? No, it doesn't mention that. Um, Does it not? It mentions the like he's the mother of his first children, and then who he got married to when he was going through all this court business. Um, uh-huh. But yes, it's good. Can I can yeah. I just stop you? It's yeah. behind you, Cliff. Is there a raccoon? Perched on the, yeah. the balcony there. Yes. Is it a very small raccoon just looking at us? Very still as well. Very still. <laughs> yeah, it's a mop. Well, it's I mean, what's it doing there? Oh, it's the mop, is it? Uh-huh. Look uh-huh. like it had eyes. It still I looks can like see what you, I can see what you think. Oh, you would think uh-huh. that, yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, a mop it's made actually, out of a uh, red raccoon. <laughs> it's a raccoon with a, a walking stick, one long walking stick. I mean, it is. You'll be surprised that raccoon fur is surprisingly absorbent. <laughs> I am surprised by that. <laughs> what, anyway, what I, watched, you... I watched that Rick James thing. That was good. I watched mm-hmm. in its entirety um, that Midnight Mass, Mike Flanagan's latest thing. Is it any good? Uh, nope, nope, not at all. It's not because I like nope. Mike Flanagan, me. I, like uh, I know you stuff. do. This is seven episodes of it's a good premise, mm-hmm. but I think maybe what this guy's guilty of is trying to cover too much stuff into mm-hmm. it's big, it's kind of big topics like existentialism, what happens when you die, what religion's right, what religion's wrong the way people right. treat each other about religion and small communities and accepting others into the communities and people trying to leave and change themselves and ending up back there. And can you really escape right. where you're from and what you're born mm-hmm. into and all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and vampires. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a massive Stephen King fan, isn't he? Yeah. So, it's, um, you know what? It's seven hours. I think if you had like four episodes, yeah, cut out a lot of there's there's parts where there's two people talking to each other for like thirty minutes, just thirty minutes of going. What do you think when you die? Well, I think your atoms interchange with the air, and you become yeah. one with the stars. Blah blah blah. And just mm-hmm. and honestly, twenty minutes later, I'm thinking, is he still fucking going on about this? Like it, <laughs> it goes. It just. It goes too much into too trying much. to explain the stuff, I yeah. think. Um, uh-huh. And I get why he's doing it. I've read a bit about it afterwards, and there's some good performances in it. You know the guy who's the FBI guy in Legion? Who's a bit, he's yeah. a bit odd. Like, there's something mm-hmm. quite odd about him. He is yeah. this uh, new priest that turns up in this small island community. Um, mm-hmm. And miracles start happening. And then, you know, it unravels, and you find out what the true story is and all of this kind right. of stuff. And yeah, it's uh, it's meant to be about miracles and rebirth and 
God and all of this kind of stuff. And this angel's meant to be there helping them all. But I mean, it's obviously a vampire, but they never say it's a vampire. Uh, yeah. But he's like, yeah, well. So uh, there's a lot of good stuff in it. But honestly, like if I wasn't off work and I had the ability to watch it all, <laughs> I would yeah. probably have yeah. fallen away. Um, uh-huh. but so you're going to watch that manhunt thing? Yeah, I can't bring myself to do it. Oh, fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> is, is that it? Um, is that and all? today I watched a documentary about the TV personality, food writer, uh, travel kind of presenter Anthony Bourdain, who died a couple of oh, years yeah. ago at his own hand. Uh-huh. Um, and it's also yeah. in, into the drugs, wasn't he? I've he seen was. a couple of things where he's taken acid and stuff like that. Yeah, um, it's. I love that guy. He's like a big inspiration for me as a writer and stuff. And I, I love, I'm traveling and trying new things, but he's a guy who was kind of on a quest to always be pushing the boundaries and try something new. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing seemed to satisfy him. It's an incredibly poignant, infuriating and brilliant documentary uh, about a sporadically brilliant mind and presenter. Um and ultimately really sad because he kind of ran he, he ran out of road, I think, rather than like I don't I think uh-huh. life still had lots to give him. Um mm-hmm. and he still had good stuff to do, but he, he ran out of road if we're gonna use the title of the thing to, uh yeah. as a metaphor. But I would recommend mm-hmm. it because there's some great stuff in it. If anybody likes them even a little bit, it's worth watching. And also I think anybody who's had kind of struggled with you know, what they're doing in their life or they know somebody who's thought about that and what their place in the world is and all of that kind of stuff. I, I Everybody struggles with that at some yeah, point. Yeah, exactly, which is why I think it, it's really poignant. Um, and there's some absolutely amazing music in there because one of the things is he's a bit of a rock star for a chef and TV presenter. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, he's like the room, he was into the Ramones and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely superb soundtrack. Uh, so... Worth recommending. Like Stephen King, well. Stephen King's favorite band. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I'll be watching. A couple of the bits and pieces, but they're the main, three main things. What but, about you? What? That's, I haven't been watching anything. I've just been working and stuff like that. And playing okay. on FIFA. Well, the other but, thing I've watched. Go on then. Is the nineteen fifty-seven Hammer movie, The Curse of Frankenstein? Have you? Yes. Goodness. Have you? Well, so I did actually, I did actually watch that. Yes, for about the seven hundredth time. Okay. So yes, I, I've seen that one. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, I obviously love it, but it's the first time that you've seen it. I yes. guess is it? Uh-huh. Do you want to explain it a bit, and then we'll go into what we thought? Yeah. About. So it's called the Curse of Frankenstein from nineteen fifty-seven. It's a Hammer Horror, um, which is a British company, obviously. It's loosely based on the 90 or the 1880 novel by Mary Shelley, which is called Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus, which is its other title as well, yeah. which I like. Um, starring Peter Cushion as Baron Victor Frankenstein, Christopher Lee as the creature, and it's directed by Terence Fisher. And if you're a Hammer fan, you'll know all about Terence Fisher. Yeah, I didn't stuff. really look into him. What else has he done? Dracula, after this. So, like, the two main ones okay. and loads of other ones as well. Okay. Um, but it, it's this just made stars of, of Peter Cushion and, and uh, Christopher Lee as, as well. They were just massive stars <laughs> after this. Made the star of Christopher Lee after this, really? <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, and I think Christopher Lee's great in this. I mean, he is the creature after all, and the creature just doesn't do I'm much, well, really, apart from stalk people. <laughs> he has got a nice jacket. Um, I mean, Boris Karloff as well. He was a star of Frankenstein. Have so. you read the Mary Shelley book? I have. I would say it's one of my favourite books. Okay. To be honest, I, it's I not love really, it. Like it's a lot deeper than just a monster. Massively. Isn't it? It's not really about yeah. a man creating a monster. Um, it's it, it's about God and all kinds of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's about playing God and really about men deep. men acting as God towards women and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, and men rejecting their children and. Yeah, all kinds of revenge. It's just about loads of different yeah. stuff. I think often, I, I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I would imagine that the book is kind of forgotten about most of the time because the film or the character of Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster or the creature, is so 
just ubiquitous, such a cultural touch point. And visceral as well. Yeah, what it looks like and what it means in these films that the actual book and the original meaning or intended meaning of the book is kind of long, long forgotten about by the majority of people, I would think. Do you think? I'm not too sure about that, to be perfectly honest. I think uh, it's obviously this I would have saw when I was very, very young. I would have watched it with me, me mom, because we loved the Hammer Horror Mm films and stuff like that. And it was always in my mind to read the book, even from a really, really young age. Obviously, it, it would have completely gone over my head if I had read it when I was, you know, eight or, yeah. you know, even a little bit older than that. So I, I think I read it in my 20s and I just I just absolutely loved it. I thought it was amazing. I, I suppose what I mean is like, you know, you're watching Scooby-Doo and there's a Frankenstein and that. You can watch yeah, a, a pop music video. And a, yeah, and there's a Frankenstein monster in mm. some like... But I don't think the book's movie. lost. I, I wouldn't say that. I don't think it's been... I, I, no, think, I think it's still a classic one of text, those, I think is... Yeah. The, the it's monster. also one of those that have been sort of analysed and analysed yeah. by scholars. I mean, there's, there's people like universities and stuff like that, heads of literature who've made I suppose their names what I mean on is the book. The monster has taken on a life of its own Definitely. outside of these films, outside of yeah. this storyline and outside of the book, I think as well. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree with that, yeah. Uh-huh. But I don't think it's been lost. Um, <laughs> um, so one thing I've noticed about these films and something that I don't think is talking about enough anymore is that old films used to have the credits at the beginning the credits are class aren't they? everything about the credits I love it, I, it, the music I don't love it's just music. wonderful do you not and the music, all the way through the music absolutely does my head in oh I loved it I love the music I mean it, it's it's that kind of thing when you, you're a little kid or whatever and you, you you know, you're asleep in your bedroom and you hear that music from yeah. downstairs and you know that your mom and dad are watching a horror. Uh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. type of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I love that, man. And the, the like, the gothic font of the... Uh, yeah, stars all of that, stuff. how love that it. looks, I think, is great. Um, But, yeah, the mm-hmm. music is so over the top and melodramatic. All the but way that's through. the point. So loud all the way through. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we I like see, it, man. Uh, we see at the beginning, uh, Peter Cushing is Victor Frankenstein. He's been locked up and he's mm-hmm. got a, a, a priest who's come to see him, a priest come to see him. Mm-hmm. And he's telling him like, oh, uh, he's been arrested. We find out for uh, the murder of a young lady. And Yes, uh, he's made. And he's like, no, no, I didn't do that. I'll tell you what did happen as if this is going to make him look any better. So he starts <laughs> telling him. It doesn't make him look any better. <laughs> and we go back. It? We go back to um, him as a kid. His mom's just died. And mm-hmm. he's a precocious young man, Baron Victor Frankenstein, who is now yeah. the heir to the Frankenstein fortune and a big <laughs> spooky house. Um, yeah. And he's a bit of a twat. He is, but I think he's brilliant. I, th- I <laughs> he, genuinely think he's brilliant. Peter you know, Cushion kind of schooled him and how to walk and behave and stuff like okay. that, take on his okay. mannerisms it's and Melvin things. Melvin so- uh, people I remember being old, you know, when we were kids, yeah. he was still on stuff. He was like this kind of well loved British actor, kind mm-hmm. of entertainer. Um, I yeah. think he's absolutely brilliant as the young, precocious Victor Frankenstein. Uh, who... <laughs> but he's so annoying. Oh, he's horrible. He's horrible. Yeah. He's, he's brilliant at it. Um, yeah, he is. And uh, immediately after his mom's funeral, where his uh-huh. auntie is like, are you still going to send us that money that your mom sent us? And by the way, he has your cousin. You might want to marry her someday. And he's like, don't worry, I know all about it. See you later, see you later. Yeah, I know Elizabeth, gets... don't worry about that. <laughs> as soon as he gets rid of them, a uh, chap turns up at the door, Paul. Uh, uh, this, uh, a chap who is uh, employed to tutor him in the many ways of science and, and presumably... You know, lots of other stuff as well. Yeah. And he he, he quite uh, arrogantly says while he's narrating, and after two years, I'd learned everything that he had to teach us. <laughs> after two years. <laughs> after two years. But keeps him around until he's about 40. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's mate. Quite likes him and stuff. So I, he's, uh, he keeps him around, doesn't he? But it's yeah, not... I mean, on, Peter Cushion. It is uh, at the start in, when he's in the jail and stuff like that. Peter Cushion just looks great, doesn't he? Even yeah. though he's like dishevelled and 
yeah. and stuff like that when he meets the priest. Because in the book, the, it's Frankenstein narrating it. There a guy who he, he's sort of on a, a boat with and stuff yeah. like that. So it's it's similar, but it's not the same, obviously. And what Hammer were, were threatened with, because all this stuff, all the imagery of Frankenstein that like everybody knew about Frankenstein, it was owned by Universal. So yeah. if they had copied anything or taken anything from the, the Universal films, they would have just been sued. So that meant that they had to sort of create their own thing. Yeah. Everything had to look so different, you know what I mean? that classic Frankenstein's monster image that we know bolts on the necks and a big forehead mm-hmm. and green and ragged clothes and all of that kind of stuff that had already existed in in film form from i mean there'd been loads of films by this point boris karloff being yeah. the, the main actor the more most successful actor of playing him uh, uh, by mm-hmm. this point so yeah this comes along and like you say it's it's different so if you're expecting that uh, or if yeah. people went to see this expecting that it's not the it's not like that at all um, it's for the better more, yeah, I, I think, think so. Um, it's a lot more human. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, for one, it's the first British horror film in colour. It's the first Frankenstein film in colour as well. Okay. And Hammer sort of used that, that to the advantage with the, the blood and the gore, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> people were, apps, were really, I mean, you got 1957, you got to take yourself back to then. People wouldn't have seen the things that go on in this this film at all with <laughs> blood squirting out of people's eyes and yeah. stuff like that. It, I mean, it really shocked people. Do you know what I mean? It but is, it made uh, Hammer. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, you can see why. I mean, not only are the actors great in it, but the effects are great. And it's shot mm-hmm. really well. It's just so evocative. Um, mm-hmm. The main thing, I think, is, you know, he's, he's been studying for however long, two years plus all the rest that he didn't need. And he's uh-huh. trying to work out a way to bring life back to stuff. So he brings a little dog mm-hmm. back to life and mm-hmm. or, and then moves on to let's do it with a human. Um, and but he's not happy with just creating. He's not happy with reanimating the dog, is he? He wants to create his own being. Yeah. That's what he wants yeah. to do. Um, mm-hmm. But what do you think of the method of, do, of doing that? Well, I think if the method of having a multicolored bubbly liquids, <laughs> right, <laughs> is the perfect way to bring people back to life. Honestly, like, I don't know what they spend all of their time learning because all you do is fucking <laughs> get some liquid bubbling away in various <laughs> jars and you're but, uh, here, there. Yeah. Again, it goes back to how they couldn't use, use the universal stuff because the universal stuff, everything's electricity, isn't it? It's like Tesla coils and yes. stuff like that. They couldn't do that. They couldn't, so they had to think of a different way. But I just, Peter Cushion looks like he knows what he's doing, so I'm happy. <laughs> Doesn't well, he? He's so good at that. Bubbling liquid. But yeah, and he so, knows, he looks like he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Like, he looks, he's, he's learned it. He's like method. He's learned, uh-huh. he's learned this skill. Um, so that's really good. And then, you know, mm-hmm. after he brings the dog back, uh, they just, him and Paul, start capering about with some dead bodies. They do. <laughs> they do indeed. I mean, there's some there's some great bit when it, when it gets in. Again, going back to stuff that people wouldn't have seen before. There's a part, they, they get a highway man who's been hanged and they cut him down and stuff like that. And Peter Cushing uh, sort of says, well, I don't need the head. The eyes have been pecked out by birds. Yeah. They're the first to go all the time. Paul's like, oh, bloody so, hell, the birds got there quickly. And uh, he's like, we yeah. need the head. And just immediately chops his head off and puts yeah, it in a vat. But you don't see him do it. it in a vat of acid. So it's like, you know what he's doing. You know what he's doing, cutting off the head it's and more stuff like, like that. On Paul's and face, there's this it? subtle bit where he just gets his hand and rubs it on his yeah. wonderful jacket. And he's got a lovely jacket. He should, definitely, he should definitely have some overalls on. <laughs> he doesn't care. He doesn't much. care, does he? That's what. That's a, yeah. a great thing. Like he's he's very well dressed. This guy. He's you know he's a he's rich. He's a baron. Mm-hmm. And here he is wandering around, climbing up gallows to chop off, uh, uh-huh. you know, cut down highwaymen. He's just rubbing <laughs> like the blood off this guy on his jacket because all of that stuff is so immaterial to him at this point. You can. Yeah. You're only twenty minutes into the film or something, and he's already obsessed with Aye. bringing something to life, creating life of its own. Um, yeah. So he chops the head off, he rolls it up in a little bag and puts it in a vat of acid. 
Um, <laughs> I think he could have put the fucking cloth in there as well, by the way. I don't know why he keeps the cloth. <laughs> <laughs> no, he needs the cloth, man. needs the cloth. I mean, what The other bits that are like uh, pretty much after this, I mean, Elizabeth comes to stay, he's, he's cousin or whatever as well at this point. Mm-hmm. But he goes, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going away for the weekend to <laughs> Paul. He goes, where are you going? Oh, don't worry about me. I'll be back. And then he, he comes back. And he, he says to Paul, come on upstairs. I've got something to show you. Look at these pair of lovely beauties. And he's got a pair of hands. Because <laughs> the, the body's on the slab at the beginning. Before that, he's like, look uh-huh. at these hands. <laughs> he's like really uh, upset. Useless, these hands. Useless. He's upset with these big hands that the highwayman's got. So he goes off on a little mission to get a pair of hands. Then, uh, pair of hands? Yeah, while he's From away, a sculptor? While he's away, Elizabeth comes back because her mom's now died. So, uh, mm-hmm. and she says, Oh, we're going to get married, uh, which is news to yeah. Paul. Paul mm-hmm. at this point is realized he doesn't really want anything to do with uh, <laughs> creating this creature. And uh, <laughs> tries to warn he's her all for it, isn't he? He's he all for it. I wonder Elizabeth what he thought it would go up. like. I don't know. Like, he, he keeps all the way through the film, he keeps going, Oh, why don't you just stop it? <laughs> <laughs> why don't you just stop what you're doing? It's funny. I think you've had enough now, haven't you? I mean, you, you've chopped this guy's head off. Let's let's call it a day. That's enough, isn't let's it? Let's call it a day. Why um, don't you just bring things back to life? <laughs> Learned how to do that. Put them in a bottle of water, <laughs> make it bubble. It's <laughs> not good funny. enough. It's not good enough for him. He wants to create his own man, doesn't well, he? Then, <laughs> next thing we know, so he's going out. He tries to tell, Paul tries to warn Elizabeth off, and she's like, well, why would I leave? I'm getting married to, to him. And he's like, you can't get married, not to your cousin, which is what you said. <laughs> <No. say. laughs> yeah, you just can't get married to him because he's conducting some questionable experiments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he refuses to tell Elizabeth what's actually happening because a, a young mind, a young female mind, <laughs> won't be able to take it. <laughs> so then, I, I love the. I love Peter Cushing's kind of excuses and stuff like yeah, that for doing good. all these. I, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm not harming anybody. Yeah. I've just robbed a few graves. I'm just, yeah, he's like, is that, is that not what science is based on? <laughs> 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 questioning, questioning, always trying to prove the new thing. Like, <laughs> you're not like taking your very, very small bag out uh, on a night <laughs> to be yeah. a fucking undertaker to get a lovely pair of eyes, which, by the way, uh-huh. don't match. <laughs> no. <laughs> Some nice fresh ones here for you. I like the coffin man. That seems yeah. great because you just see the midriff. You see basically right, a transactions being done on a, on the top of a coffin between <laughs> like a, a guy who I'm guessing is an undertaker or mm-hmm. he's wearing an apron, so presumably he's doing autopsies or uh, postmortems yeah. or whatever, and he rocks up with these super small... It's like a tiny pool cue bag, isn't it? That he takes out of them mm-hmm. to get these <laughs> eyes. And all, you do you don't see his face, which is just a lovely touch. I think that you you just uh, see like uh, the transaction. Uh, yeah, that's guy. all you see, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's really really good. Um, yeah, it's close. Anyway, then you find out that Cushion's actually got a nice bit on the side with the the housemaid. <laughs> Um, this is, I mean, it, it's it comes from a bit where um, Elizabeth's kind of explaining that that she's going to marry him and stuff like that, and he's the only one that she wants. And then immediately it, it sort of jumps to the next scene where yeah. Cushion's necking on with a maid and stuff. <laughs> Wonderful yeah. bit. Yeah, right. it's really good. Mm-hmm. She's in there. Uh, she's in Dracula, the next one, but she wasn't in anything after that. I don't. Oh, really? Think. She's good. She's good. She is good. She is good. I. Right. Um, Valerie Gaunt. So then, uh, Victor tries to get Paul on side yet again. So he's got him like covered up with a blanket, and he lifts the blanket up, and <laughs> he obviously thinks <laughs> Paul's going to be like. Fucking hell, actually, yeah. Like, you, that's uh, amazing. What was, what was I thinking? Like, this is a great <laughs> idea after all. And Paul yeah. just goes, "It's horrible. It's horrible." <laughs> <laughs> he, he does, doesn't he? And, it, and it, he just goes, "Oh, like that." <laughs> and he's going all that. He's like, he's he's going. The features aren't are immaterial, Paul. Uh, yeah. Because once you put, put the brain, brain in, <laughs> oh, the brain in and the brain will be yeah. of a brilliant mind. Uh-huh. The features will follow 
and he'll become <laughs> a kindly looking face because it'll take on the aspect yeah. of the brain. What I love I'm not about, sure about this, that I science. Don't, yeah, I don't think that's science. <laughs> but what I love about this is all the time he's doing it, he keeps looking up at his head like he's talking to him. And he keeps, <laughs> like Peter Cushion's eyes keep flickering up. And he's thinking, he's going to have his fucking brain. <laughs> anyway, that isn't the plan. I just thought it was brilliant. He just yeah, a couple he, of times, he like he just flicks his eyes up to his head while he's. See, while he's I going. haven't noticed that before, but that's absolutely genius. That, like, I love then, that. <laughs> honestly, I noticed it because I was thinking, oh shit, it's going to be him. Um, yeah. But anyway, it's not. Then we meet the professor whose brain is going to be used, who comes in. Yeah. He's got a wonderful accent. He has got a wonderful accent, and he's, he's got the most brilliant brain in Europe, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. And Paul it doesn't even suspect anything, does he? <laughs> oh, he's he's, 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 isn't it a coincidence that he's got the, the most brilliant uh, mind in Europe into his house or whatever? <laughs> but Cushion, uh, it. it doesn't care, does he? He really doesn't care because he yeah. just goes, all right, well, off to bed now. I'll take you upstairs, <laughs> yeah. right? Oh, do you want to come and have a look at this picture? It's a lovely picture. Just move back a little bit because yeah. you're at the top of the stairs. <laughs> you'll, you'll see it better if you move back. Professor, watch out! And then he pushes him off the balcony. And the stump man on this must be dead. Yeah, That's because, all I can see. Because... <laughs> Because he lands uh-huh. flat on the top of his head. <laughs> he does. But quite literally, it's not a dummy or anything. It's a man. No, it's a and man. he lands on top of his head. You can see his neck and sort his of neck go back into his body. Fucking hell. I'm like... I'm, that man must have been dead. Like. The, the stunt man is injured, at least. Yeah, and also, definitely. this professor's brain might not be of much use anymore. I've done that. No. <laughs> Plus, it's an odd way to fall, isn't it? I mean, if you if you were falling, you put your hands out in front of you, wouldn't you? He <laughs> just doesn't. He just falls right on top of his head. <laughs> it's unbelievable stuff. So. I have to but, admit, uh, after this point, I get quite uh-huh. bored of the film. Like, I like. Oh this. dear. Yeah, like oh. it gets good again when the monster comes to life. But there's like, yeah, I think there's a, a, a big bit where I don't know. Like, he's just, just I mean, trying to put this brain in. Yeah, well, there's the bit where, because Paul, obviously, after he's killed the, the professor and buried him in his own private crypt, <laughs> and someone comes up to him and goes, uh, thanks for uh, letting the... Pro- you know you know, he didn't have any family, don't <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, yes, thanks I know for that. letting him uh, I know quite well, lie you know, in your own crypt. He's like, so, no, yeah, no problem. We appreciate you uh, burying him in your crypt in your house. That's very nice of you. <laughs> but Cushion's so straight about everything. Everything it's so serious, isn't it? That's why oh, he's, he's so got brilliant. like one track mind. Well, one track yeah. mind. He doesn't care about anything else, um, especially I mean, not about poor Josephine. No. Josephine. Well, I mean, we've realised now that he's a, a complete sociopath, Cushion, <laughs> in this, isn't he? Yeah. Which is different from all the other Frankenstein stuff. He's not evil, but in this, he's a complete yeah yeah he's like, yeah he's he's already he's mad he's absolutely he mad just out of his set mind. on one thing his mind set on one thing he doesn't care about anybody else he's got no empathy for anybody else at all does he nothing he doesn't even when the monsters comes to life the creature comes to life he's instantly like oh fucking hell <laughs> like <laughs> doesn't like on the, in other stories he you know he tries to be like a father to him which is where that comes in the original book and stuff you know he sees well in the book a... no in the book he rejects them straight away because he sees that he's hideous that's that's like part of the thing doesn't yeah. doesn't try and yeah but so there's that kind of thing as well but yeah he, he completely just sort of rejects him because he's like obviously ugly and stuff like that so i guess that is similar to the book i think definitely he's got a blue face he's got, he's got a blue face dead flesh that's, that's what I would say. <laughs> blue face, but he's got quite a mop top going on and a lovely jacket when he's out and about. <laughs> I don't know where he gets the jacket from. How does he put it on? Where does he get it from? How does I've he put it no on? I've got no idea. But it, it's a good look. It's, he's a good Frankenstein, isn't he? I read that uh, Christopher Lee was a mime. So, like, he did a bit of mime and stuff like that. So, he and he's a massive guy. Advantage. Aye, he's a massive guy and stuff like that. And he only got the part because he was two pounds cheaper than... Do you know the big guy off the Carry On films? Bernard Bristol. Yeah, he was it, He was going to... It was between Christopher Lee and him. Really? But Christ, uh-huh, Christopher Lee was two pounds a day cheaper. So that's how he got the, 
the job and stuff like that, which is mad. Uh, he's brilliant. So, he's brilliant. He's he just... is. He is. And sinister and, and frightening. I mean, there's a bit where he does escape and he, he meets the old man in the forest where yeah, this is quite blind a, man. a blind man. Yeah, with, this is quite a tender thing in the book and stuff. The blind man, because he can't see him, yeah. becomes his friends and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but not in this. He just he just murders him straight away. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just straight horror, isn't it? It's just that's all it is. Yeah, and it is Frankenstein's well. evil. Yeah, Peter Cushion's worse. So they're both evil, aren't they? Yeah. It's just a straight up horror, yeah. completely straight up horror. But yeah, I mean, I, I, and there's a bit with the reveal, which is, I think is important. The reveal of the monster, where he thinks that he he needs Paul for the experiment to succeed or whatever. And the lightning hits the his machinery and just starts yeah. it up anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kind of opens the door and it's super fast onto his face and, and Christopher Lee kind of rips the bandages yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like it's sped uh, up or something. Class. Like. A sp- uh, it looks it's sped up, yeah, but it, it's effective. Like, it's absolutely class. I love yeah, that Yeah, yeah. Uh, it off and he has got a hideous blue face. Um, <laughs> he does. And then essentially after that, there's just a bit of, like, the monster's just out and about, like, causing bother. <laughs> Yes, well, he's out and about until Cushion and, and uh, well, Victor Frankenstein and Paul hunt him down with mm-hmm. rifles yeah. and shoot him right in the face. Yeah, shoot him in the <laughs> face. He's, then he, yeah. has, he has to have a bit of his head shaved and they chain him yeah. up again. And he teaches him like a dog, doesn't he? He's like, he goes, oh, watch this. I was... Sit up, get up, I... sit down. Yeah, he treats him like an animal, doesn't he? In a, in a hideous way and stuff like that. What but yeah, I mean... What do you think, like Victor, thinking at this point? Because I think this is a bit that's kind of missing, unless I just didn't pay attention to it. But like, he's done it. He's it hasn't turned out like he wanted. I don't. I don't know what he feels. Yeah, I I don't think he he feels much of anything, does he? He just wants to to keep sort of the creature alive so he can he can sort of experiment on him and then when he's done with him he'll destroy him won't he that's, Put him that's in the acid plan. bath that he has but in the <laughs> acid bath exactly <laughs> and then he'll just do he'll do it again with the another brain there's a part yeah. where he does say look there's nothing that you can do to stop us i'll just get another brain and then i'll get another one and then i'll get another one so yeah. he's he, he just relentless and he's he's sort of his quest to create this perfect being i guess isn't he yeah. You know what I mean? And then so the he's me- not going to stop. In the meantime, he's like, he is really horrible to the maid who thinks that yeah. he's going to marry her. Uh, and he, she says she's pregnant. He, he, do- he dumps yeah. her. And he's me- he's he really just laughs mean at her, her, doesn't he? Yeah, he laughs hor- right horrible. in her face. He's horrible. And then basically leaves her to be dealt with by the creature. Uh, exactly. He locks her in a room. And th- this, this whole setup is... Because he's supposedly murdered the maid, hasn't he? You've got to remember, he's back telling the priest this, yeah. isn't yeah, he? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just looked at in that room. With yeah, the, I didn't. The so, by picture. the way, remember, this is me trying to tell you that I didn't kill her, but I yeah. did lock her in a room where the monster that I created could quite easily kill her. <laughs> and I've also killed the professor. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've previously only told you about. <laughs> About that, how does he expect to get out? But I figured that I'll give him the crypt that evens out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how how does he expect to get out? Like, he's thinking, I'm not responsible, I didn't kill the fucking mid. Like, (laughs) like, that's the only thing he's thinking that he's got to prove. I didn't kill the fucking Uh mid, but in the but what I did do is uh, steal the body and body parts of some dead people, kill. Europe's best brain. <laughs> <laughs> but not the mate. I mean, you can't get us with that one. Can't get us with the mate. Listen to I me, mean, man. <laughs> even, even if the preschoolers, all right, you didn't kill the mate, right? Fair enough. But we're charging you for the death of the professor, for sure. <laughs> can't get out of that one. You just confess. Oh, and, and also, I mean, that's a mate that we don't really care about. This is Europe's best brain. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's like well, more you're, important. You're definitely gonna come and come in for some stick for that. Um, yeah. So after that, the, yeah, the, basically the monster gets out again. He rips his chains mm-hmm. from the wall. Um, gets on the roof. 
gets on the roof, yes, and uh, and Elizabeth goes up there because uh, Victor Frankenstein's preoccupied with Paul, who's threatened to bring the villagers into all this. <laughs> yeah, I'll get the villagers involved. <laughs> I'll get, I'm getting the villagers now. But they couldn't put that bit in because, again, that's in the universal bit, yeah. isn't it? That, you know, famous bit with villagers and pitchforks yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So they couldn't have that. But yeah, so he's on the roof and he grabs Elizabeth and stuff like that and cushion and his mad brain shoots his betrothed, doesn't he? <laughs> another, there's another murder. <laughs> well, she's not actually dead. I, I she thought doesn't. she was dead. But yeah, no, but she appears at the end. Paul, right, quite rightly, steals her, I think. Uh-huh. Um, so he's not a very good shot cushion, is he? No, he doesn't hit her. But, uh, but no. it's enough to spook the monster who falls through <laughs> the roof into the vat of acid. Well, he, he chucks the he chucks the fire on him first, doesn't he? And that, yeah. that's what gets him. And he's straight in the acid, that's right. So there's no evidence that the creature ever existed because mm. he's dissolved in the acid or mm. whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then obviously... It, Paul at the end comes to, to visit him and stuff like that. And he's saying, Paul, tell them, tell them it's all true. Tell, tell them, them it was true. the monster that I created that killed the maid, not me. And yeah. He doesn't say anything, he just stares up into the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, sent, he's sent to the guillotine. Isn't yeah, he? Paul's definitely Victor with Frank's Elizabeth thing. at this point. Um, yeah. I he's mean, moved I'm, in I'm, there, hasn't I'm, he? So an opportunity. I'm presuming he hasn't told Elizabeth of his part in the beginning of this story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's quite culpable, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, he taught him how to do it. <laughs> he's taught him, exactly, he taught him how to do all this stuff in the first place. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's great. What, what did you think of, of the film? Did you enjoy uh, it? I did that's enjoy what it's it. about. I did enjoy it. It's like it's only 80 minutes long or something like that. It's yeah. enjoyable. There is a bit in the middle where I think it sags a bit. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, it takes ages before the fucking monster gets into it. Yeah, 40 minutes. the monster minutes. doesn't really do much when he is there. So uh -huh. it is more about Victor Frankenstein, I think, um, which is all about for it because Peter Cushion's fantastic in it. Like he has been in everything mm -hmm. I've seen him in. Um, so as a like scene setter for Hammer, or for Hammer to take on a series of Frankenstein films and stuff like that, I think brilliant. Um, it isn't the story that, or it isn't the exact story that people no. know from Frankenstein or might expect. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think The Curse of Frankenstein, I think that's a weird title for it. Yeah, well, like, again, they weren't allowed to just call it Frankenstein, so they had to, you know, come up with something else and stuff like that. But yeah, no, I don't mind. I like all the, the the titles and things like that. I love that's part of the the reasons why I love. I like them, but I don't them. think it's got anything to do with the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest, but I mean, this this kind of birthed hammer in a horror sense and stuff like that because they've done films before that um the, the uh, quit a mass experiment and stuff like that which yeah. is also amazing was before this but that's more science fictiony yeah but they uh, don't really talk about money and stuff like that but i think it costs 65 grand pounds. to make this full of 65 <laughs> 65 english pounds um <laughs> And it, it, in just America, it made like eight million or something like that. Cause so you can, you, you can see how, you know, what so these, was the Hammer films did well in America, did they? Massive, I massive in okay, America. I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was just watching a documentary there with, with Martin Scorsese on, who was talking about like lining up to go and watch all the Hammer horror films and okay. stuff like that when he was a kid and just loving them because they were in color, they were like gory and. Yeah. Things like you, they would shock you. I think that's what he yeah, says. Yeah, you know I mean? the blood is a very like specific blood, isn't it? Thick, like red. Very color. red, isn't uh, it? Yeah, is also definitely being used in like the Italian horror films of the seventies, and also Scorsese with in some of his early films. I think the blood's quite looks similar. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the other interesting thing for me doing this was was find out the people who brought like the the script to to Hammer in the first place was Max Rosenberg and Milton Sabotsky, who we've talked about before. You mightn't be able to remember, mm -hmm. but um, so they took the script to uh, to Hammer and they said, "Well, we're not going to do that script or whatever." But they brought them the idea, okay. so they got paid like a finder's fee, 
okay. and were pretty pissed off that they brought the idea to Hammer and stuff right, like okay, that. Okay, okay. So then they went off and made Amicus. That's right, their okay, company okay. Because they were that pissed off. Of so, all right. Yeah. So it's like the birth of Hammer Horror and the rivals okay, Amicus as well at the same time. Talking about right. Scorsese, um, I did watch one other thing. I watched the card counter. Paul Schrader's mm-hmm. latest film that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Um, Good. If you like Paul Schrader and Scorsese produces it, if you like Paul Schrader films, then you'll love it. Oscar Isaac is absolutely amazing in it. And I think Paul Schrader is one of those filmmakers where almost every film is almost the same. It's very taxi driver uh, you know he's, he's always yeah. got a kind of lone man who's battling with something and it's a he narrates it and all of that very very good very good i would recommend it Ooh, well, I mean, um, that. but would you like a quiz i would indeed it's what the sun's going down and i might not be able to read it in five minutes so right. um this quiz is about uh other frankenstein's um of mm-hmm. actors who played Frankenstein's monster or the creature. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about Boris Karloff, Bella mm-hmm. Lugosi, Peter Boyle, Randy Quaid, and Aaron Eckhart. Okay. Ooh, what well, all, all excellent mix. actors. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. first off, Boris Karloff uh, first played uh, Frankenstein's monster in 1931. We played him many, many times. Um, yeah. So. Um, Outside of horror films, he, be- mm-hmm. he kind of had a life of his own as Boris Karloff um, because of his legacy as he got later in life. He plays a major part in a festive uh, film or special that I know you like. Um, do you know which one it is? It's from 1966. It's, it's uh, 1966. It's not Christmas Carol, is it? It's not. He is the no. narrator in The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. The oh, I haven't seen that. One. Oh, right, even, okay. I haven't seen that. I've seen the Jim Carrey film. Yeah, yeah, of course. But the, well, that's, so that's he's, about, he's yeah. the narrator of the uh, animated one from 1966 with Boris uh-huh. Karloff. Um, so, and yeah. L- Lugosi hated uh, Karloff, didn't he? Yes, so next up is Bella Lugosi, who says that was overstated a bit, but I think he does think if only I'd got to play Frankenstein first, um, yeah. that would have been me instead of being in Edward films instead. <laughs> instead of being so, Dracula. Bella Lugosi is more known for being Dracula, um, but he did play him in 1943 and it's in God Created a Werewolf or something like that. Um, right. It's the first one where there's like a werewolf and there's Frankenstein and there's Dracula and all of that. Yeah. So he's in that in 1943. Um, so he's better known as Dracula. Mm-hmm. Do you know what he did when he died? <laughs> just, just rested. <laughs> just rested, yeah. Um, so something he, did he get Dracula. buried in his Dracula? Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he got buried uh, in his Dracula yeah, costume. Kid. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yes, I knew. I knew that from Edward. I think. All right. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm moving sure that's on in there. to the brilliant Peter Boyle, um, mm-hmm. who also Taxi Driver. He's in that. Yeah. He's in loads of stuff. He's such a great character actor. He died a few years ago, um, but he played Frankenstein in. For a start, mm-hmm. do you know what he played Frankenstein in? Monster. Young Frankenstein. Yeah, 1974. Um, but mm-hmm. your question is. There's a Beatles link. Do you know what it is? Oh, well, Boyle is also the name of the art. No, that's not true. No, go on, give us it. Give us it. Um, John Lennon was his best man in 1977. Was he? Yeah, they Why? became friends when Lennon was kind of on his last weekend. And as, he, right. moved back, as he moved back to New York, um, uh-huh. Peter Boyle married a Rolling Stone photographer. And uh, right. that, that's how they kind of became friends, and John Lennon was his best man when they got married. So, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Right, that's good. He also is in um, the, what, what's it called? Where the, the geese fly or something like that. Isn't where it? the wild geese the, fly? That's it, that's where it. the wild where geese run, is it? Run, sort of like that anyway, with Bill Murray. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So that, I, I haven't really watched that film, though. 
I don't know if you have. Is that any I, good? I, no, seen I don't it? think I have. I've seen lots of stuff with him in. I think he's brilliantly superb in Taxi Driver. Yeah. Um, it's like Hunter S. Thompson film, isn't it? Yeah, and also I think if you don't know who he is from any of that, he's the dad in Everybody Loves Raven. <laughs> Is what he was. Oh, I'm, I'm not big on these sitcoms or anything. No, like but that, a lot of so people yeah. listening might know more from that. Piece, yeah, um, probably. Um, okay, so now we're on to the mad as fuck Randy Quaid, who played <laughs> Frankenstein in 1992 in a film called Frankenstein. I've never seen this. I've got no idea no, anything about it. Um, he's obviously mad, um, mm-hmm. but he was arrested and in. It got acquitted for him, and I think it got thrown out for him. And I think his wife got uh, it, the case got dismissed against her when it got to court. But they were arrested uh-huh. on charges of burglary in yeah. 2010, I think. Um, do you know this story? This is the question. I do. I think I've asked you a question about it before. Is it the way he said that uh, there was people going around who were celebrity stealing or something like that? Stealing no, people's identities. It's or not, it, but there is something like that. It all there's quite a few stories that kind of interlink because he was just in trouble for yeah. <laughs> a lot um, for a, a few years. This one is he basically moved into his old house uh, that he didn't live in anymore, and somebody else owned, uh, and because he said like the sale wasn't proper, so he just wanted to go back into. It. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's a proper nutcase, isn't he? He's, yeah, absolutely. He puts videos like on Twitter that are mental and things, doesn't yeah, he's he? He's a conspiracy theorist. He believes yeah. he's a Trump supporter. But, I mean, this is like years before that. He was obviously a, he's a troubled yeah. man, whatever he's got going on in his life. But, uh, yeah, so there's a few mad stories where he's been arrested for crazy things like this. He ran away to uh, Canada to try and Canada, like, yeah. get into there and stay to there. To get away from the celebrity people <laughs> yeah. who'd, who'd killed Heath Ledger. Yeah, That's but he, he didn't said. have uh, the rights to stay in Canada, so he got into trouble for that over and uh, over again. So that's Randy Quaid. Lastly is Aaron Eckhart, who I don't know whether I think Aaron Eckhart's good or bad, because some stuff I think he's really shitting, but I think thank you for not smoking. I think he's excellent. In, he's, um, he's good two-face. Yeah, in the dark night. Yes, like he gets a lot of stick for that, but I, I think I don't think he the should. Essence of his character was obviously a part of the hour that got cut. I think because he's like in it. Then when he becomes two faced, it's pretty much the end of the film, isn't it? Like he's... Aye. I, I still, I still like him as two faced. Me, like I thought he was good. I thought he was good. Yeah, but, yeah. I think he's good. As and the... I have seen the Frankenstein film that he's in as well, which isn't very good. That's from two thousand four. Aye, Frankenstein. Aye, isn't Frankenstein. It? Yeah, I haven't seen that. Aye. No, it's not very good. Um, well, he almost, he kind of jobbed around for a lot of years and thank you for not smoking. There's this film that kind of got his name out there, which is quite a serious uh, kind of dark comedy. Uh, he's good in it, but he almost made it um, when he was just pipped at the post by Guy Pierce for a role. Do you know what film that was? Guy Pierce, um, was it Memento? Hmm. Yeah, it is. He was almost was it, played uh, Leonard, whatever he's called. Leonard Shelby, is it? That? Something like that. Well, I'm, I'm glad Guy P.S. got it. Yes, feel like. <laughs> 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 I think well, that's Guy the end P.S. of the quiz. I think a bit got, better than Bernegot. I think you got eight out of five there, so well done. That's good. That's a very good score, isn't it? It's a lot yeah. higher than I was expecting. That's good, eight yeah. Well, five. Well, well done, you. Uh, so we've got music. You want to tell everyone what it is? Yes. Yeah, so we've got uh, we've got some electronic music, which uh, me and you thoroughly enjoy, don't mm-hmm. we? Yes, we enjoy do. the electronic music floating through our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, from Michael Donahue with London, that's what it's called, and it's from the LP of the same name as well, and it's out now. Yeah. So yeah, I like it. it's good. And me too. So everybody uh, enjoy this as it strikes up. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for Cheers. good horror stuff. Uh, Hammer, great fun as always. And thank you to Michael Donahue for landing. Uh, here it is. We'll speak to you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.